Hockey? All right. Yay, Blackhawks. Oh. Welcome to Game of Nodes, a weekly podcast on the Cosmos from independent validator teams. Hello and welcome to Game of Nodes, uh, a weekly podcast from independent validators on the Cosmos. Um, and as you can see this week, we don't have Noel with us because he is down with a, uh, a nasty bout of the old COVID. Um, normally, he's kind of, normally he's kind of ahead of the curve on things, including the, the terror crash, but this time he's, he's doing things after the rest of us, it seems. So uh, he sends his apologies. Um, but Jabby's joined us um, from the Pumos Palace. Said <laughs> the name. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, yeah, we've got a we've got a few things we want to talk about today. It's going to be quite infrastructure heavy, I guess, because there's a few things that are obviously happening. Um, it particularly regards like um, UST and Luna and a lot of the projects and the fallout from from that last week, which I think we want to talk about. Um, and we also got some kind of um, some, I suppose, like bits and pieces of news we want to talk about first. So I think uh, one one thing that um, was mentioned on, I know we were talking about before um, we started. I don't know if you, Serpa, you want to talk about the Stargaze launch a little bit. Oh, a light piece of news in this in this topic. Yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, I, I yeah. mean, so so as well, just because you know you <laughs> you well. you're involved in a lot of the uh, the infrastructure provision for that launch, so you've got some quite interesting like metrics on like just how busy that was and everything, right? Which I think is pretty interesting. It it was pretty interesting. We I think this is a follow up because we talked about obviously Stargaze and we had Shane on a few weeks ago and those types of good things. And so um, yeah, so the marketplace just launched uh, yesterday. I think it was all these days are of red numbers on my uh, stock graph are running together. But um, yeah, so the marketplace launched and some interesting type numbers. I think Jorge actually posted a couple of these screenshots as well, but um, just the API structure, they, the Stargaze team built this, this pretty cool um, API kind of caching layer for some of the NFT calls. And so they tried to determine what of those RPC and other types of calls were being cached. And so they built kind of an API structure in there to do some caching against, a, a, I think, a local data store of some sort that was returning a heavy amount of static data. And there was obviously coming back to the actual um, validator set, or I'm sorry, to the RPC node set for, you know, for um, being able to get contract addresses and other types of things. And so I think before that launch, there was, we've had like different spikes when we had mints and those mints kind of got to somewhere around um, maybe a, a thousand transactions or, or, or um uh, request a second somewhere around that and then yesterday um we we went from i think when it was away from those mints there's pretty much a static load on the rpc and, and rest calls of around 100 maybe 150 a second somewhere around there and then yesterday it went up to about six thousand a second for maybe a good hour um when the marketplace f- first opened i think people just looking and being but put things up for um, for sale and, and other transactions and things like that. And now it's kind of averaging out and it's sta- staying pretty close to about a good thousand to 1500 a second. So it's actually pretty interesting to, to kind of see that load hit and, and just how well um, these nodes actually respond to that much traffic. We haven't really, I've never done too much testing on that or being able to, to simulate testing like that, but it was actually pretty cool to, to see it go. So the marketplace is good. We've heard really good feedback from everyone, at least on Twitter, um, minus a node that got out of sync today, but um, and producing some old data, which was weird. Um, but everything else on that, we've had, um, you know, it's. I think the, the whole thing around this is trying to have a great user experience from marketplace, and I think everything I've heard so far has been, it's been, uh, it's been pretty positive. So that's good stuff. So, so, so I have a go ahead. Oh, so, no, she'll see. She'll she'll, go ahead first. Yeah, I was gonna say. So 
we hear that the Cosmos uh, max transactions per second, the theoretical max is like a thousand transactions per second, right? Um, so obviously that's not like transactions included it's in a not. block. That's also including, you know, query transactions as well, right? That's I right. It's, yeah, and actually if you look at the, if you go for a look at the actual block transactions during that structure, it doesn't change that much, honestly. Like like I was looking at, and it was jumping from maybe, you know, two, three, four, up to 12, 15, 25 transactions per block. Um, it wasn't massive. Like it wasn't like we were seeing, you know, like you're even seeing as a, as a baseline at Evos and things like that, where you're, you know, where Joe was looking at, you know, 300 transactions a block and things like that. Um, it's still pretty low, but I think the number of queries, um, it's calling the contract to get addresses and ownership and, you know, everything else that goes with that. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of querying kind of going on to, to, to build the UI and to, um, you know, to be able to create, um, Transaction. They'd be able to actually, I guess, be able to get to the point where you're actually putting a transaction in. Can you give any sort of estimate for like how much that infrastructure costed, like how much per month? Because to me, that sounds like an absurd um, performance metric, right? That many transactions. And from what I've seen, because I, I was I was there during the mint when the when the new transactions were at max, and there was there was no lag. Everything just went so well. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's actually really not that expensive. Um, so we the, the Stargate team was using a lot of VPSs and like um, non bare metal type of things. And when when they were looking at um, turning this, uh, getting some help with it, and then we were talking a lot about bare metal servers and other types of things that we're doing with that. So so right now um, right now it's it's basically run in the past um, when they were on some AWS machines and and some DigitalOcean things like that. I think they had. 17 or 18 nodes, I think that were synced and sitting behind different types of LBs, load balancers in, in terms of doing that. And so right now I'm down to seven. So I, uh, actually that's not true. I have, I have eight. Uh, there's two in the West coast of the U S there's three nodes in the East and there's three in Europe. And we're, we're actually standing up two in Asia because, um, we're starting to realize how much traffic is coming out of, out of Asia. Uh, um, that's being right now redirected to to Europe, and so Europe is carrying up those that Europe structure is carrying a pretty decent amount of traffic. And so, if you think about AX one hundred ones, that type of pricing, um, maybe a little bit more based on where those things are sitting. But I think overall, those eight nodes, um, and two of those are, we're also running archive nodes because we wanted to keep some extra copies of the blockchain. So those are you know much bigger machines with eight terabytes of NVMe and stuff like that, just so it keeps up. Um, I don't know. It's probably I gotta do the math, but it's probably fifteen two thousand bucks a month USD. It's not awful. Um, That's really not that bad. No, it's not bad at all. But I think I think compared to what it was, I think um, I think there I think before that when the VPS days, I'm not talking about school here, but it was probably two to three times that um, when they were doing it on the AWS side, you know, and DigitalOcean and those types of things. There were actually some pretty decent the power of VPS servers in there. And then, so it's one of the benefits of bare metal, right? Just the management goes up um, to be able to, and just you know, be able to do, do some better planning and things like that. So, so right now that's sitting behind Cloudflare and then Cloudflare talks to multiple nodes in, um, in each region. And I have, I, I do load balancing on the node level. So basically it, Cloudflare talks to both HA proxies and those are go all to all nodes underneath there. So I can have an outage, you know, from an HA proxy perspective, recommend outage on a node perspective, those types of things, and it'll still respond. So, um, so I don't know, we're, I don't know what the theoretical limit is and what we have so far. Right now, it's more about redundancy than than scale because it seems like we're maybe past some of the larger spikes, at least for right now. Um, so 
just want to get to where we can, you know, uh, I want to get to where I could deal with regional outages or server outages and other types of stuff that breaks in our typical daily lives and not have it be a, you know, a four alarm fire type stuff. So uh, a practical question, just so I understand, is this, um, these these machines, they're primarily the RPC uh, machines or they're also running the, the caching layer and the custom stuff that you were talking about? That is separate. So the, those guys are for the NFT side, those caching is, is separate. And then that layer talks to the main Cloudflare RPC API um, RESTful services. And then that gets distributed regionally, depending on where that where that's coming from. And then that 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 API level is also in Cloudflare, I should say. That caching level is also built in Cloudflare. So um, so basically, it's it's all in the same structure. Okay. Is that, do, you, do you know how that's built? Like what kind of service that is? No, I don't. I don't. We should have. We could. But Jorge should come out and talk about that a little bit because I, I think what they're doing there is pretty cool compared to, um, and how they're, um, uh, how they're dealing with it. Just the amount of volume that's coming in there. It's it's still pretty amazing since how much is actually getting you know through that layer out to the RPC type nodes. I mean, there's still a huge amount of volume. There's some things that they can't cache, such as you know all the kind of blockchain specific and contract looked up type things. But there's still a it's pretty it's a lot of users, which is really good. I just asked. I just asked Meow if he knows, uh, and he says he does. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he can come out talk about. It. So, Jake, do you want to tell us how the uh, how the Stargaze <laughs> Real thing time. works? Yeah, yeah. Sure. he's gonna he's gonna jump on a laptop, um, yeah. and, and we, we'll we'll circle we'll circle back around to Stargate Marketplace yeah. then maybe. Yeah, um, let's talk. In, let's talk about more depressing topics. Yeah. So, uh, when you say more depressing topics, does that mean you want to do you want to mention uh, price chat? Or do you want to talk about uh, where we where we're at with UST? <laughs> where are we <laughs> at <laughs> UST? Last I checked, it was like eight cents each, but I've been too afraid to look again. Yeah, I think right now it's like ten. Yeah, it depends on the exchange too, right? I, I was just looking back. I was everybody's listening to this, so we're. I was looking back at some of our notes from last from last week, and at that point, while we were on the call, because I think things were moving a lot while we were on the call, UST was at seventy eight cents, and Luna was at a dollar twenty four, and the world seemed to be ending then. So we guess, were just left yeah, behind. It can always yeah, get worse. Is is the is the <laughs> yeah? I mean, I think it's, I think it's quite interesting as well because in I mean, this is something we talked about quite a bit with Prop sixteen, which was the uh, the the theoretical responsibility of the validators at and how much network the control they actually have. And I guess yeah. what we saw was we saw was the CEO being effectively on the TV saying one thing, if you like, and the validator set doing another, and. Again, so I guess it's different in the sense of maybe the, the prevailing sentiment around the around the whale in the um, the validators that I think did something that was more in line with what the community wanted um, than what maybe Doe was saying publicly. Um, but it's like an interesting scenario, isn't it, to play out that the validators set go, okay, no, this is this is out of control. We're stopping the chain, right? And also, I mean, I know in our group chat, Javi was talking about. Uh, the theoretical implications of the tokenomics and things that were happening there. And it, it certainly seems like, I mean, we also obviously know people that are running validates on, on, uh, on terror as well. So mm -hmm. and right. getting their perspective on this was like really interesting too. Right. Yeah. And, and UST, I mean, I mean, when it really launched on the cosmos, it was such a, 
it was a really um, turn point for me, at least because it wasn't that long ago. Don't get me wrong, but it was turn point just because it, it allowed um, it brought. I thought it brought a lot of validity to the cosmos, and it brought the capability of taking rewards and other types of things, been warning on, and being able to put that in a quote unquote a safe location, and thinking about it that way, and understanding the risks behind that. But still, like the growth was there, and the growth of Luna and everything else. Like it seemed like it's. I think. I think what's really amazing to me is just how fast. Just how fast it unraveled, like that. That speed is just unbelievable, right? And then I was at, we were watching. I was watching circulating supply on the Luna side because that was, you know, obviously, you know, from the from the mint perspective, and just seeing that go from three hundred million, and the next thing time you look, it was seventeen billion, and then it was three hundred billion or whatever it was, and now it's at six point five trillion, whatever that was. But that that arc was just ugh. Brutal. And so, yeah, so how did that happen? Insane. Was that because they were burning UST to mint Luna and that just kept entering a death spiral? What happened there? How did those all those mint? They, they didn't suddenly crank up the inflation, right? Right. So the whole point of, of uh, Terra USD was that when we get a bunch of value in Terra, we can mint Terra USD, a bunch of Luna, we can get a bunch of Terra USD. But when Terra USD loses its peg, the algorithm says, oh, well, I just need to mint more Luna to compensate. And so right. it kept minting more and minting more. And it was like, well, I haven't caught up yet. And, you know, once you chart it out, it's like, well, it's never going to catch up. Right. Um, yeah. Yep. And then the Bitcoin sell and everything else, like it's just it's, everything just feeds, right? It's just um, it's tough. It's tough to have a it's tough to have correlating assets that that are backing up, obviously, in this algorithm type structure. And right. Bitcoin was so vulnerable. Also, when you when you decide to sell one point four billion dollars of it, like yeah, it's going to drop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not worth what it, what it has. So, I think that I like was also- to think of uh, a motorcycle, like an early motorcycle rider when. You know, they, they've sped up too much and their their front wheel starts to wobble. It gets in like this harmonic situation that just wobbles out of control. And <laughs> you just have to let go and, and it's fine or, you know, uh, crash. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. Crash. yeah. Um, so I guess, yeah, again, I guess the other thing. So where where are we now then? Uh, we're. I, I suppose the, the interesting thing now is like, you know, what's going to happen in terms of the confidence on the chain, because there's, it's obviously brought down um, UST, which is kind of undermined the whole enterprise, but like, you know, looking at it from the perspective of uh, people in the cosmos, it's, uh, you know, first and foremost, Terra is a smart contract chain, which has then sort of broke, it's kind of suffered almost from an Ethereum problem, which is that um, a project that a lot of, to be fair, a lot of projects obviously depended on the, the availability of the stable coin or to do DeFi stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of projects like all the NFT projects that, you know, maybe relied on UST as an on-ramp, but like didn't necessarily um, actually need UST in their ecosystem to actually function properly, but mainly were there for the size of the user base or the community, um, have basically been wrecked by uh, something within the ecosystem that was sort of beyond their control, right? Um, and that's kind of the, it's, it's, it's kind of ironic, isn't it? Because the, um, Terra is built on the Cosmos SDK and Cosmos's whole value proposition is horizontal scaling and anti-fragility by being, uh, more distributed, right? 
Yeah. I, I, I don't know what else to say about it. Like, <laughs> I, I think, I think to, I think one of the benefits of where do we go from here is that I think ultimate, I mean, there's a lot of people that, that I think we all know, and especially the validator set that, that might not have wanted to move things to, to fiat because, you know, think about taxes or thinking about, you know, just rewards, other types of things with that. And, you know, want to have flexibility to have gas in the tank to maybe launch new chains or other types of things, right? It's a, it's a, it's definitely an area that a lot of validators would have used to, um, and obviously others um, to be able to store value to, to do something with. And, and there's just so much loss associated with that. that Unfortunately, you know, I think it puts a lot of folks back um, and creates a lot of scare and other types of things, which is why, you know, kind of where prices are today, there's just a lot of fear. Right. Um, I think ultimately though, I think one of the things that you you guys are talking about, we wanted to talk about today is that I think one of the things it does create is opportunity, right. Um, It might create opportunity for other changes in the cosmos to grow, which we, which I know Frey, you want to talk about a little bit. Um, Meaning, there's opportunities for Juno to play roles that that maybe parts of those projects could play, and it might it might launch new chains, it might do other types of things that make overall ecosystem stronger and more resilient, right? So I think you know that's maybe the best takeaway out of that. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I suppose that even obviously there's there is an open question of like, uh, you know, there's now um, sort of like Terra V two, um, mm-hmm. if even if that, like, even if you're looking at that from the perspective of being involved in another smart contract chain in the cosmos, which might, you know, instead uh, might prospectively be able to bring over large projects from from Terra now that the market has sort of lost uh, a degree of confidence in it, there is actually, you know, the question of whether uh, even if um, that chain restarts and is successful, just the simple fact of it being successful and being more um, IBC aware, if you like, like more more aware of its position as a Cosmos chain and more willing to engage in interchain interaction is actually like a potentially a huge sea change for the Cosmos anyway. Like just that fact on its own of um, I think the Terra Foundation maybe having that like the control they did over the ecosystem and uh, over the Terra ecosystem and like its future development, um, just that that fact changing on its own and the chain becoming. Are more actually in practice governed by, at the very least, its developer base and possibly its wider user base too. Um, mm-hmm. And like I say, like we were talking about earlier, like the val- being uh, controlled by its validator set, you know, it would be the absolute least because that's demonstrably what's happened. Um, that's again a huge sea change for uh, for Terra, and it's probably a really positive thing for for Cosmos. Um, because it's that, you know, even if it keeps a tenth of its user base and brings them, even imagining that all those users and all those projects just went, like vanished into thin air, if 10% of those users and, or 10, 20% of those users stay in that ecosystem, but it moves closer to Cosmos, that would be a huge win for the whole Cosmos, I think. Yeah, I mean, I largely agree. I think there was a lot of confusion and fear around Terra going down. Like I saw quite a few people messaging about how Terra went down, which took down cosmos and osmosis and secret when really terra took down the ibc and so you can no longer interact with them but those other chains weren't down but i think that just that interaction happening caused a lot of fear in the user base um that that was kind of unnecessary and i don't think there's good enough communication about hey this one chain went down but everyone else is still like we're still running we're, we're fine um and i think there was a lot of confusion around that yeah kerberos was fine the whole time 
Yeah, all of the doggy meme chains were just were up. They were producing blocks. That was the most important thing. I make more in rewards on Kerberos right now than... <laughs> I was going to say Terra validators, but that seems rude. And That's just... that's a low blow you've already had to you've already had to issue a public apology for for your your terror jokes so um but um there's actually i want to flag we've just had a comment come in um which i saw i saw uh usurper reply to in the chat um i think this is quite an interesting one just like i know it's a little bit off we could this is kind of i think picking up from what we were saying about infrastructure a little bit earlier but um so the question is uh, thinking long very long term how do you handle storage needs for storage needs for full archive nodes like you know if they become very 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 large and i think this is something we've wondered out loud a lot um we've talked about in previous episodes which is like um you know, being brutally honest a lot of validators are not going to run full archive nodes and especially in this bear market um you know, now where we don't know how long it's going to last, I think that it's going to be a genuine question of like who provides these and who provides this kind of public infrastructure, right? Yeah, we. I think we spoke at this one other episode too, because a lot of validators even moving away from the you know from regular default pruning because we want to get into um, we want to be, be be much more responsive to things like that, and so we might run another node that's not a validator, but I want to keep the same pruning settings and other types of things. So I think generally having terabytes or hundreds of uh, or large scale um, terabytes of uh, of data laying around is is rough, and not to mention that just the just that, that database gets large, which means it's thrashing a lot, and it takes the, forever to back up, and it's it's it takes a while. So. I don't know. My answer in this chat, which which people are listening, my answer was around the idea that, that maybe, you know, we've had a few different chain forks and things like that, where maybe at some point a, a new genesis gets cut and that, that original history gets squashed and we start over. Um, and so we maybe do something like that. But I think it's a it is an issue, right? It's something that's going to turn to a turn to a, a bigger problem, depending on the chain and, and the amount of data that's being stored. And I, th- I think there's also an interesting thing that we've been talking about in terms of, um, you know, Juno core development, I suppose, which is that we are, especially because of the attack we suffered, we've completely changed um, our releases process and how that works. And we work, if anything, much closer than we did before. And we already work pretty closely with the Confio guys and Cosmosm, mm-hmm. um, but we work even more closely with them than we did before. And but an interesting corollary of that is that the way we do upgrades has has, has radically changed. I think other chains will probably also do it differently. Um, and the what that does do, though, is make it much more difficult for people to sync from Genesis. And if you can't um, if you can't sync from Genesis, that's like potentially yeah. quite problematic for actually um, like having that trust trust and faith in the chain yeah. because it's um, it's like a core tenet of decentralization, isn't it? You can sync the chain from Genesis and arrive in the set and have and have voting power should you be, you know, staked, right? Yeah. And is, but do you consider Genesis block one? Well, that's another question, isn't it? Because I yeah. mean, there's obviously a whole bunch of chains that did the early upgrade strategy where you do just move, uh, mm-hmm. you, you essentially create a new chain. I mean, like you know, Terra Columbus Five, right? Yep. Yeah, I think Adam's gone through those. Like we did, obviously, at most, right? And those types of things, right? So those, those are, I mean, they're inset. I mean, they're new Genesis file, but they're not starting at block one. And I don't even know, can you like, can you in those like early Adam things? Can you find are there nodes out there that you could start from 
from uh, Schultz, you might know this. Is there are there nodes they can start from from actually block one and then sync all the way to the point where it got where it forked and everything? Yeah. So there's not a lot of point in doing that, but you can absolutely do that. So like you can't on one computer like systematically go from from Cosmos one and go forward to Cosmos two and then load from there, load to there. Um, the only yep. thing you do with those previous sets now is you'll generally find an archive node of Cosmos 1, Cosmos 2, Cosmos 3, and then you can sync from the start of Cosmos 4 onward. So you could prove, you could you could go back and reprove the history to show that where we are is where we should be if you had to. But at some point you're you're stopping a node and you're, you're doing some math to figure out if it's exactly the same as the genesis for the next yeah. chain yeah. ID, right? So that, there would be a lot of chaos to it, um, yeah. but strictly speaking, it is possible. Jake has joined us. Yo, what's up, guys? What's happening? Uh, a lot of things are happening. Actually, a lot of good things. Uh, I'm pretty. I'm pretty stoked. How are you guys? Really good. So, you guys are in Prague together? Yeah, we're we're in Prague. It's been great. Actually, the conference was really exciting. Got to chat with so many great people. Uh, many Terra teams as well, too. So. Um, uh, I'm just, I haven't been hearing your conversation. I've only been hearing Alex's side of it. So kind of, yeah, I'll, I'll just sit and listen for a bit. I'll, I'll just lurk. Alex, who, who's Alex? I only know. About uh, yeah, I don't know who that talks. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, shit, I just talked to him. Sorry, I already got docs during the whale drama. So anybody that needs to know that can already work it out. Um, well, now it's, now it's also on YouTube, so fantastic. Um, so we were gonna, we were actually talking about the reason that the reason I grabbed you across the room was that we were kind of curious about how the the caching layer works in Stargaze because the again, like um, it's something as infrastructure providers that we're pretty interested in in terms of like just how much needs to go on chain or how much should go on chain and how much. Um, is off chain, right? And especially in the NFT case, I think this is something that's come up over and over again as criticism of NFTs from people who are outside of the space and technical. And in some cases, people who are outside the case and space and non-technical. Like I saw a, a very tepid tweet the other day um, about like, oh, you know, blockchains are a, a slow append-only database. And I was like, well, Apache Kafka is a fast append-only database. What's your point? Um, you know, CERN use one because it's fast and append only, and we use this other one that's slow and append only because it has an immutability property. Uh, you know, so you want to hear some really cool stuff? There is no caching layer for Stargaze, it's all on the front end. Like, we just use React query and don't fetch the same thing more than once. It's actually querying directly off chain now. Yeah. Really? For the images, uh, we we have all the images on IPFS. So we're not mm -hmm. actually storing a full NFT on chain. That would not be sustainable. That would be very expensive. That would not be fun to run nodes for. Um, so we do store the IPFS hash and we, we do use some caching for the images. So it's actually really helpful to have those images in like a well-placed uh, like CDN. So currently for that, we're using a uh, pinata uh, mm -hmm. Pinata actually at, has a CDN service for IPFS, which is really useful. Um, but they're not the only ones these days. So actually Cloudflare has entered the game. Uh, so you, you can actually use uh, Cloudflare for IPFS assets as well. Um, and I, I think as like the whole ecosystem evolves and things like IPFS 
and decentralized, you know, kind of file protocols like really get adoption, I think we might even see some more uh, distributed versions of caching of these files. Um, I, I see no reason why in two or three years we might not have a Cosmos chain that where validators like also pin these files and serve them up. But I, that obviously something like that would require a lot of work and thought. But um, so yeah, it, there's actually no caching. It's all direct uh, RPC queries to the Cosmos contracts. And it's actually amazing how performant that is. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and yeah. Um, Can you, know, you talk a little bit about, uh, uh, sorry for interrupting, um, if, you, if you want to keep going. I mean, we are actually adding an indexer. Um, Purely because people want things like search and searches actually, <laughs> while the Cosmosm smart contracts are very, very powerful and you can do these amazing queries that are, are actually surprisingly performant, um, search is still hard in Cosmosm. I've not seen a really good Cosmosm search implementation. And, and so if you want to, for example, figure out query like an NFT by like a a trait you want to get all the really sad looking bad kids <laughs> then it starts getting then you start needing to, needing to have an indexer um now we could maybe index all this data on chain but then it's more data stored on chain and there, there's trade-offs to all these things but we are looking to switch to an indexer mostly for search uh with dowdow we also launched a search dowdow is another um you know mm -hmm. application that is surprisingly entirely direct on-chain queries and that kind of makes it as decentralized as possible. There's no third party uh, interface. You just need an RPC node and that's it. Uh, but we are adding an indexer. We recently launched a search feature that allows you to search for a DAO by name and that uses an indexer. So yeah, that's that. that. And when you say when you say indexer in this situation, and this is super weird because we're actually about like three feet from one another here. We're kind of like just across the same room. Mm -hmm. um, but when you say indexer, uh, that is that what like what kind of technology are we talking in the backing? Because I think this is also an interesting question, which we'll we'll come back to in a little bit when we talk about some of the infrastructure questions we've been getting from Terra teams who are looking to move over. Um, which is like you know, for for me, I hear like the uh, especially with the marketplace launch, which has been very very successful, and we saw uh, is am, am I allowed to? Uh, is it cool to say what we 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 saw like Josh Lee just like buying a load of bad kids, um, and there were like a bunch of people like like really really stoked on the marketplace um, in Prague, and you know that that launch seemed to go really well, which is cool. Um, but one of the things that um, I, I guess like we were also talking about, which you've touched on there, is that there are quite often particular traits and things that you want to look for. And it roughly conforms to like fasted search. Right. Um, whereas I think a lot of the, like certainly the BD Juno type stuff, um, which no relation to the Juno project, the chain, it just happens to be called the same thing, um, which is the indexer behind uh, that's used by a lot of, um, uh, what's it called? Big Dipper and stuff. Those indexers, they, they actually use Postgres under the hood. Um, but I guess what's interesting here is that in a consumer use case, particularly for things like NFTs, particularly for like Dowdow, um, search is really the big thing, right? And so that's actually like a completely different technology stack. You'd be traditionally, I suppose, thinking of something like Elasticsearch, which is, uh, you know, you can do all your fastest search natively, but it's a bit more lossy as a, like, if the immutability property of a blockchain is about as strong as it can get in database technology, then the immutability and um, completeness of data on something like a search cluster and like Elasticsearch is about as uh, un guaranteed as it can be you know 
Um, so like, I mean, do I, I suppose because we're, we're largely infrastructure people in this call, like what, what does the future of that kind of indexing technology look like? And, 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 and again, meow, if you want to talk a bit about how you're approaching that problem with Dowdow, because I guess you're building an index of Cosmosm, right? Well, uh, Zeke, who's incredibly talented, uh, built a really quick and dirty indexer for Dado. Um, but there's actually a lot of indexer efforts that are happening in Cosmosm. I think it's probably good to, to speak to some of those. And then I'd, I think it's good to talk about may maybe where we want everything to go. Um, so uh, we've actually funded uh, through uh, the Juno Core Dev Fund a couple of index of teams to work on, on indexers. Um, so there's two different implementations, actually. There's one in Go and one in Rust. And both are designed to be like extensible, kind of uh, better, better versions of BD Juno, and specific for Cosmosm. You know, uh, each contract is going to be different. Um, so, for example, when you index a DAO contract, sure, I want to be able to search by names. That's one use case. But I also want to be able to create like an inbox for for every DAO I'm in. I want to see all the open proposals like almost like notifications or if a new proposal, what if I want to build a notification service and there's a, you know, so these are kind of use cases where we'd, we'd have to build something that's really custom to this, you know, these kinds of contracts. Um, yeah. Shout out Zeke. Uh, so we, we have, we are funding like two, two efforts on the indexer and actually because of Terra, there's actually a third one that's kind of jumped in the fray and we've been talking with the team. Uh, they're called Subgraph and they've been actually uh, pretty popular with very, with various Terra prop, projects and they uh, they do indexing and they also ex expose a GraphQL API, which is really cool. Um, so really, really excited to be talking with them. And, uh, you know, I think we're going to figure something out there. Uh, I think it's indexers are the kind of thing where I think it's actually kind of great to have multiple implementations in the ecosystem. There's a fourth effort. Um, so Figment has been working with the graph, the, as in the graph protocol. And uh, they're supposedly working on a Cosmos integration. I'm not sure how far that is, but you know that's another thing to be like keeping an eye out for. Um, but I, I'm particularly very excited about Subgraph um, coming to, to Juno and, and other Cosmosm chains. I think that'll be really, really great for, for this ecosystem. Uh, in terms of long-term, I, I do think, you know, it's kind of funny because we already have this database, you know, like on our on our validator notes. And maybe it's maybe it's RocksDB or maybe you're using LevelDB or I'm not sure what the sampling is of what, what database you guys are using with your nodes, but we already kind of do have a database. And, uh, you know, and there has been some work by Tendermint as well to like add like, an, uh, like a Postgres kind of sync functionality to the Cosmos SDK. And I, I think I, I kind of feel like there's a lot of potential there. Like we've already got this data. Can, can we like figure out a better way to like shove it into Elasticsearch or um, don't have a ton of answers there, but you know, this, if anyone in the, in the chat or listening is like interested in working on these kinds of problems or has like ideas for how we might go about improving the situation, like, uh, my D my DMs are open on Twitter. So, um, reach out. And I guess that's a very solved problem, um, from, uh, like stream process type stuff isn't it because like large-scale streaming systems apache kafka all that kind of thing they already uh, and as well large serverless um implementations using uh the cloud provider of your choice um uh, aws but other providers are, are available um or gcp or whatever um they also have that same model like the the kind of sync and source type stuff is like really really well established as an etl mechanism um uh, etl being for those that 
didn't work in data processing for too much of their career, um, extract, transform, load, which simply just means shovel, uh, shoving data around from one place to another. Um, so given that we are kind of a slow stream system, we're, we're a write ahead log from a database, basically abstracted into a distributed ledger. Um, there's probably a lot of the techniques of, of streaming data systems that are actually applicable in our case and could be applied to make these systems better. The question is whether all validators should have to also provide that infrastructure or work with it, or like to what extent it, it kind of, because otherwise it comes back to the archive, no problem, right? Which is that what do you have, what happens when nobody decides to run that sync because of a bear market? Yeah. So I've got some thoughts on this. I'd love to hear what you guys think about this. And I don't know how many people saw my talk in Prague, but it was, it was about DAOs and, uh, I really think that we need to fund these efforts and we more importantly need a group. We need a, we need an infrastructure DAO. Um, we need a DAO that is specifically going to go out and fund the infra infrastructure right now. People have been kind of doing it on this ad hoc basis. I'm going to say DAO a lot now. Yeah. Okay. All right. We've been, we've been doing this on this very ad hoc basis where like people run relayers and then core one gets back to you like a month later to reimburse you. And you've already like basically like, it's not very efficient. It's very slow. Um, same thing with the RPC nodes. We, I think we can do better, you know, it's, and so we need it uh, like effectively like a sub DAO or a small like committee or team could be some of the people on this call, you know, some validators and basically, you know, they would get a, a budget from either the dev fund or likely the dev fund. I think this makes sense to come from the dev fund could be the community pool, depending for other chains, for example. Um, and they would get a budget to go out and fund things like RPC nodes and mm -hmm. relayers and archive nodes, because those are like kind of public goods that we all need and it costs money to host that stuff. And so, you know, these are public goods that we all need to really run and build applications on the chain. And, uh, you know, we, we need, we need, uh, we need a group that is focused on like, you know, basically like, you know, funding those kind of efforts and making sure that the people that are running them are, are doing a great job. Uh, I, I also think that there's a lot of potential to potentially, uh, I think RPC nodes can kind of be a single point of failure. Um, and in that, like, uh, I'll give you an example. Um, I love the Kepler team a lot, but they run single RPC nodes for the wallets. Uh, and, and Stargaze, uh, launched we had this big freak out session um because uh there was a time when we upgraded the chain and kepler didn't upgrade and they were asleep in korea and then right. the, wa the wallet was broken and who did everyone blame they blamed us and they blamed the you know the val the chain's broken i can't see my balance the chain's broken i can't do any transactions mm -hmm. um and there's no, we're, we're, how do we like build a nice fallback system? Like, can we, should we be thinking about deploying, like using interchain accounts and deploying load balancers on a cosh and like teaming up as validators to like have some redundancy? Like a lot of the apps, dApps on Juno, and this is actually not unique to Juno. This is actually very true in the larger crypto ecosystem is one of the, it's a valid criticism of it. So um, even in Ethereum, like MetaMask basically uses one default RPC node for all of Ethereum. Like, uh, mm -hmm. There is, you know, in uh, in Cosmos or Terra, you know, DApps typically use just one RPC node without, you know, fallback. So I think there's a lot to think about here. But anyway, like, let's back up. Infrastructure DAO, what are you guys' thoughts? Yay, nay, you have another idea? 
No, I, I, I totally agree. Cause it kind of seems like it's, it's very sporadic and then some teams are very open around that, like being getting involved in stargaze, but, but other teams are, are pretty closed around that. And, or they want to find a way to be able to use foundation delegations, quote unquote, to be able to drive that. But the communication around there and how well that is, is performed and everything else is really challenging. The other piece of that is also like, I think Cloudflare becomes a single, also single point of failure in here because it really is in my eyes, the only somewhat affordable global distribution network that really works for for what we use like for what we use it for here if i want to have a single you know single rpc address that has um that has global distribution based on location and things like that if you start getting aws and akamai and other types of things it gets really 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 expensive um and really prohibitive so so that means everybody goes to cloudflare because it's pretty you know thing so that turns into a so if there's a cloudflare outage same type of thing happens so it would be it'd be nice to think about this one level up and that could be a service that could be uh delivered by an infrastructure dao something similar to that that other chains could use or be able to provide that as a service that has a much more um you know a much more uh, fault tolerant not saying cloudflare is not fault tolerant i'm sure i'm sure it's ridiculously fault tolerant but it's still one provider right so um, I think that idea would be, it would be pretty interesting to figure out how that would work and be incentivized and something that would be fair and, and clearly defined. Cause I think sometimes, you know, we've talked about this with Noel a bunch of times around foundation delegations, but that's really different across different chains and what they value and not And finding some way to, to turn that into something that could be communicated and built would be pretty interesting. What do you guys think? Joel Schutze. I mean, I also threw in there that. I think as far as like an infrastructure DAO goes, a lot of the time these conversations revolve around like, well, how, mu- how much is the server cost? It costs $106 a month. Okay. And then you'll throw another hard drive in there. That's $45. So I want $150 a month for, for managing this. Right. But obviously we have like setting it up, managing it. That's let's say, let's say it's just two hours a week. In that, in that first week, we've already basically blew our budget because each one of us is probably worth more than $100 an hour, right? And that conversation, I think, really rarely comes up as to like what these DAOs or these committees are worth is how much manpower, how much expertise is going into it. It's, it's so much more than just the server costs that are, that are being involved. Yeah, I think exactly. And, uh, you know, I think that's why, you know, DAOs are made of people at the end of the day. You know, it's like, a, and I think that it's important to keep in mind that that should be built into the cost, you know, because it does take a lot of time for, for people, like people are doing a lot of work. It's not just the cost of the end, you know, of the running the hardware. It is a lot of work to do this. And, you know, there should be, you know, maybe indexer DAO gets a certain budget, you know, and then they can make delegations with that, or, you know, they can make direct payments, you know, people, I think we should just start out and kind of just start experimenting with things, especially on Juno. And, you know, we can, it probably won't be perfect right away, but, you know, trial and error and evolution is like a lot of times a good way to build things. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, but yeah, you're completely right about the, about the people we have, that has to be taken into account with the costs. So one thing I'll also throw in there is that uh, Secret Network actually ha- used to have an infrastructure committee and their responsibilities and did include basically just that. Not relayers because relaying wasn't a thing then um, and in the sense that Secret didn't have IBC yet. Um, but they did take into account, you know, I'm probably going to spend 10 hours a week on this so that there's this, you know, my salary. I'm going to host these APIs for the community to use. I'm going to make sure this documentation is up to date. I'm going to direct the test net. 
on these sorts of like scaling responsibilities are different things they focused on um, and would certainly it'd, it'd be worthwhile considering them as well within, within Juno. Yeah, totally. Uh, did they make uh, decisions on chain or do you, do you know how they ran theirs or? So the infrastructure uh, community doesn't really exist right now, but yeah, it used to be a community fund proposal to, to fund them. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of thinking that we should run, obviously I'm, I'm biased here and so you can push back on this, but I, I do kind of think we should um, run this on a doubt out out um, just because it, it allows for kind of a, maybe a smaller group of experts and uh, also kind of allows for transparency. Everyone can see that what proposals, what people are asking for, you know, and then, I, then it's still public and, you know, the people can still use Cosmos governance if they're not satisfied with, you know, how infrastructure, infrastructure, what infrastructure DAO is doing, you know, maybe they'll propose like, oh, some people should be removed from infrastructure DAO. We can even create really interesting arrangements where we like, um, you know, the main governance module will have some control over in infrastructure DAO, maybe even controlling who gets voted onto it, um, which could be a really interesting thing. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, what what do you think, Joe? I, I, I want to know what Jabby thinks of this, but also, I, I think we've we've also I've I've talked in the past and probably been a bit boring about the fact that I think it would be interesting to experiment more broadly with um, the idea that validator sets are semi fungible, like the validators themselves get dynamically removed from the set um, based on performance. And I know that there, there are uh, mechanisms in evolving proof of stake systems to do this, but I think that's also an interesting use case for, you know, if we go back to what we were talking about, maybe sort of 10, 15 minutes ago about what is the evolving responsibility of a validator in the case that we are wanting additional provision of things like indexes, sources, sinks, maybe RPCs, whatever, um, you know, the long-term vision of an infrastructure DAO, if you generalize the problem to, um, it's tooling that isn't limited to one chain is maybe this is actually a cosmos zone of its own. Mm -hmm. And in that situation, making, um, make, being able to bring people in and out of the DAO via governance or via another mechanism is actually the same problem as a fungible validator set, which is essentially deciding who is a validator based on performance past and past and future. So just, just an idea throwing that out there. Yeah. Um, is this in fact a cosmos like is the long-term vision for an infrastructure DAO that this is just a cosmos zone because after all zones and cosmos are are DAOs. i just got a little bit of a case of the jack hands there did you see that yeah i mean i i think that um certainly in this bootstrapping phase it makes sense to have a a funded effort to provide these services for you know, necessary growth. But at some point, you know, app providers themselves will be incentivized to, you know, provide the endpoints uh, on their own. But they have to get through that bootstrapping phase where they can actually uh, realize that is the, th the next step for them to evolve to. Um, because no matter what we can do as an infrastructure DAO, we'll always be sort of lagging behind the growth of some app or, or some uh, use case and that the folks that are generating that use case, they'll have the, you know, sort of the leading indicator about what they need and where they need to go. Mm -hmm. And so they can build uh, the right amount of scalability towards, you know, Asia Pacific or, or EU or, or where, what have you. Um, 
So I think that, you know, it's a, a necessary but transient type thing that we need. Um, certainly with MetaMask, you know, Infura is providing the bulk of <laughs> their RPC requests. So it, it might very well be that it, you know, sort of hones in on a specific use case. But uh, I think that at some point we will see the apps sort of, you know, almost like what DowDow does right now with its uh, uh, its front end, um, continue to iterate on that and and provide more. I think actually talking about dApps actually kind of brings up an interesting point is I think we're right now we're kind of in this stage of we should just be running public RPC nodes, but we cannot deny the fact that like GenoSwap uses like a lot of like RPC calls Uh, and some actually GenoSwap is pretty good now because it's been we've been fine tuning it because a ton of RPC calls during like uh, something like the raw launch can lead to some downtime. but it, there are, you know, poorly written front front end apps. Like, for example, uh, Fortis, uh, which was making like a ton of RPC calls, kind of for no reason, like all the time. Um, and eventually, we have to move past the stage where we're just like, if there's one DAP, for example, and they're just using a ton of RPC resources, like we need to definitely think about pathways for them to either figure out how to run it themselves or uh, potentially like find a way for them to contribute back. Uh, lol at that comment about Fortis. Um, uh, you know, maybe at some point down, down the road, it makes sense for projects to like pay for, pay for infrastructure. I'm not sure exactly what that would look like. So again, say, taking this back a little bit to why this went on the topic for discussion this show, mm-hmm. um, we've obviously been talking to um, Meow has the everybody involved in Dev Juno has been talk has had people get in touch with them about the terror situation about migrating to Juno about how do we do it. Obviously, Prop Twenty Three has gone on chain and is likely to pass at this point. So there is a coordinated effort to um, bring projects into Juno, and obviously other networks have been doing the same thing for. Um, projects that are closer to their use case like obviously uh, I know Stargazer obviously talking to people and Secret obviously for privacy focused stuff or obviously talking to projects in Terra and you know this is this is continuing that some projects are going to presumably stay on Terra and go with the relaunch and other projects will find a chain that suits better maybe where they see themselves now and in the future and they will um, move over to that but as somebody who's very much in the Cosmwasm and also maybe in, I'm a little bit in the DevRel space because we were here so early in terms of launching, uh, launching DApps and Juno and also being maybe one of the first developers hanging around in Discord when people were launched, were joining like last year and whatnot. We get a lot of these sort of questions from people like, oh, somebody's asked me um, this question about the developer experience in Juno. What do you think I should respond to them with and something like that? And the reason that question originally went in the chat about, you know, infrastructure and whatnot is because somebody is specifically um, shout out to, I think it was Tricky Crypto is their handle. We specifically had this question that they had seen about um, developer teams who are trying to move over to Juno or and other Cosmos projects to be clear. Um, and they were asking about the the tooling that they found within the ecosystem versus Terra. Because Terra has a much more ergonomic development, developer experience. And the comment that had been thrown my way was that they felt that the teams waiting to see if uh, Terra relaunched um, 
we're, we're, we're kind of essentially betting on the ergonomics of the, of the system. And the comment I've seen was, you know, it's two years ahead of where the rest of the cosmos is. And so like, I'm kind of, I can see Meow immediately reacting to that. But um, I, obviously, I think that comment is like, like nah, my personal three, opinion is like, that's, that's kind of hyperbole. Yeah, it's complete hyperbole. And, uh, you know, we do have funds for people that want to help build us up to like a similar level of tooling and a similar level of tooling for all of Cosmosm, not just Terra. Uh, and I think we can get there in six months. I really do. I also don't think it's that much better. People just hate change. And like, you know, it's okay. Yeah, there's a, a UI for you to upload your Cosmosm binary, but you still have to like, you know, compile it on the command line. And it's pretty easy to do that in Rust. Um, uh, you know, they have some Node.js tools that will compile it for you, but you're still entering it on the command line. You're just using a Node.js Node tool and you're writing NPM rather than cargo. Um, but I, I do think we can make a lot of improvements there and like catch up really quickly. And again, my plea to all of you watchers and, and listeners of this podcast is if you have ideas for things that you've seen in Terra that you would like to bring to the wider Cosmosm ecosystem, hit me up. And, and as an aside as well, just on the um, simple upload interface, we have Cosmosm tools, we have Juno Blueprints. Uh, so Jans Alex from Disverse did Juno, uh, Juno Blueprints and AS Weaver from Howl um, did uh, Cosmosm tools, both which are very useful for doing that sort of stuff. So I think also it's probably there's a little element of it being just pure unfamiliarity with like what is there because you it's not like every single one of these projects isn't just listed on like this is the approved terror way of doing things they're on the juno ecosystem page but if you are looking at secrets tooling then you might not necessarily know about cosmism tools and, and of course like equally i might not be aware of similar tools that exist on secret because we are mm -hmm. all of these different communities and sometimes the wheel has been re uh, reinvented right but at the same time, we may be less, I mean, and I think this is something Jabby was talking about a little bit before we were just like having a chat before the show um, about whether or not this represents like brittleness. Like sometimes reinventing the wheel can be a sign there's just lots of people working on the same ideas and bootstrapping their own dev tooling. And you know, Jabby is also a prime example of this because Jabby builds a lot of dev tools and shares them with other people, even if they're just crazy bash scripts, um, you know, a little bit like block painting and co in that regard, like, uh, like kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Dog fooding, which is appropriate, mm -hmm. given, you know. <laughs> I don't understand what what sort of dog food would I would I like? <laughs> yeah, certainly. Um, is that a pop bounce reference? I think it was. So. I think it was. Yeah. I will say. That I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know who it could be referencing. A lot of this fragmentation is because Secret has a fork of Cosmosm. That's theirs is really actually even more outdated than the, than the Terra stuff. The Terra stuff could actually be quite easy. Terra is also a fork of Cosmosm, and it's it's closer. Uh, I think one of the really cool things about Juno is that we're using like the pure non-forked 1.0 Cosmosm. You know, and that means that the tools we build for Juno are usable by any Cosmosm chain. And I think that that's really what we need going forward. And that will lead to a lot more fragment, a lot less fragmentation and a lot better developer experience for Cosmosm as a whole. Like, yes, yes, Callum. 
let's go. Um, so I, I want to point that out. And yeah, we probably have a little bit of catch up to do. I think m much of the catch up is on education and documentation. Like people need to learn that these mm -hmm. tools exist. And, you know, uh, in terms of feature parity, there, there is a lot of work that's being done. So I'm working with, uh, uh, my friend Dan and we're we're collaborating with Osmosis, yeah, Juno Osmosis collab on like, and, and with Confio on on building out like better front end like tools for for Cosmosm where you just you literally write your contract, you generate a schema, and it will generate all the TypeScript types you need, a lot of like standard front end stuff. It'll even generate like boilerplate for React query. So you can just import like the hook you want to use for a particular query. Or um, if you want to make a transaction, you've got this like nice little helper class with auto completion. Uh, we're working on things like uh, kind of scaffolding libraries and like UI component libraries, um, for example. Uh, there's Juno blocks. Uh, something else that just came out, and if you've not heard about it, is check out Telescope. Telescope's really cool. Um, and so there's a, a lot of effort that is is happening in the Cosmosm dev tools space. And because for, for, for the first time, really, because previously we had these forks of Secret and, and Terra, and then uh, like kind of the mainline Cosmosm, there's convergence around the mainline Cosmosm. We have three strong changes at least and, and more on the way. You know, you've got Osmosis, like, Juno and and Stargaze and and many others and so I think now that we're kind of on like a stable Cosmosm version we're going to start seeing really uh, the e the tooling ecosystem catch up and I think even surpass what Terra had um, but there's still lots to do on the education front. Yeah, do we happen to have a what's it awesome Juno? You know, there's normally there's some awesome Cosmos, awesome. Do we have one of those? I I, I think it should actually be. Awesome Cosmosm. Like, let's just do Awesome Cosmosm and, you know, and we can definitely do Awesome Juno too. Um, but we need need that. Someone should just go out and make that, please. I, I will literally send you some bad kids NFTs and some Juno. Go, Someone go and make it, please. I, I think Khan's probably in the chat literally doing that right now. Um, so uh, we were kind of up towards the to the end of the episode. So there have been some good questions in the chat and I I think Usurper also had at least one question from our very organized spreadsheet that I think you wanted to bring up. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and throw up a couple of questions that I've seen in the chat that are good. Um, I think one of them I was literally about to interrupt you to ask, which literally just got answered by that comment, which is that um, uh, somebody said, have uh, so Bacchus Roman said, have you ever thought about building out a knowledge base for something like Drupal groups, et cetera, et cetera? It'd be easier to get across tools and resources available. I think we've just literally covered that and said, yeah, that would be cool. It's going to be called Awesome Cosmosm and somebody should build it. And then Meow will send you a bad kid. Um, um, go build that. Go go make an awesome Cosmosm page and I'll, I'll drop you some bad kids. Cool. And then uh, there's uh, a question from Adam Burke, which is what infrastructure. So Adam also asked the, the question earlier that we had on um, uh, uh, index, uh, indexes, uh, archive nodes, which was a good question. Right. Um, and we got uh, what infrastructure is not capable of being run on cache. Um, they want particular data at certain cash flow adoption. They should pay for their own infra via interchain accounts. Now, this was something really interesting. We actually talked with Greg. Uh, if you haven't already seen it, there is a previous Game of Nodes episode um, with Greg from Akash where we talk about um, the idea of like DAOs and um, autonomous organizations paying for their own infrastructure and the fact that validators and whatnot are now more viable to be run on cash, um, cash than ever before. 
And in addition, I think, you know, we've been obviously talking about this infrastructure DAO and it seems like, again, these are the same sorts of organizations where mm-hmm. um, if that infra DAO long term is, it say, its own Cosmos zone, you know, it can talk IBC to a cache. If that becomes a public good chain and it's building stuff out, then, um, you know, there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff that doesn't exist yet because the technology doesn't exist yet. But we're still relatively early and it, there's no reason why these things couldn't exist in future and govern their own infrastructure um, and whatnot. That'd be incredibly exciting, I think. Yeah, and I think they're going to exist really soon. Uh, interchain accounts on Juno are going to land, I think, very quickly. Uh, we have some actual working branches with IBC v3. Uh, so it's just about planning the upgrade there. And then I've actually been talking with Greg a lot about adding interchain accounts to Akash. And I think that that's going to happen in the very near term as well. So I think we'll finally start having multiple Cosmos zones connected with the latest version of, of IBC that supports interchain accounts, like really soon, like in a month or two. So yeah, you heard it here first. Um, and we've got uh, another question uh, from Garrison Academy, which um, I assume, because there can only be so many people with the same name, that this is Oni. Uh, this is Kevin from Oni Validator. Um, what are the current index and capabilities in Juno and what would need to be done to accommodate incoming Terra projects, NFT projects, et cetera? Explain somewhat simply. Well, I mean, honestly, I, I'm kind of, um, I come from like obviously a consulting background and a data background, and uh, but also like having run teams and whatnot. Um, especially like startups and things where you don't have loads of resources. My motto is I never build, also because I'm an idiot, I actually don't know that much about the things I don't know about. I don't build anything I don't have to, right? I, if I can buy something or pay somebody else to do something where they're an expert, I will do that, preferably. And, and I get a lot of shit for running on AWS, but this is also what our policy as a validated company is, is that I've done bare metal in my life and it was great fun, but I was a younger, more sprightly, man who liked waking up at two in the morning with a page uh, blaring in my ear. So in answer to your question, Garrison Academy, if that is your real name, um, I would say these promising projects like subquery and whatnot that we're talking to have good product already that is used by people and liked by people. And maybe we should be giving them grants to be checking out and running their stuff on Juno. It's just my opinion. Um, that would be kind of cool. Um, but in addition, obviously, like Meow was saying, we can obviously be incentivizing people to build new tooling. Um, I'm going to shut up and let other people throw an opinion in the ring on We're this not, one. We are incentivizing people to build other uh, other tooling. We are funding multiple indexer efforts at the moment and actively talking with Subgraph. Uh, you know, and I think a lot of projects use that. And if there are other projects that people use on Terra, we'll talk with them as well. Uh, I'm really uh, excited to get something like Subgraph on Juno. I think that'd be great. And uh, yeah, we'll make it happen. Let's do it. Cool. Uh, Usurper, I think you had, did you have another question that you wanted to cover? No, I don't think so. The only one I wanted to pull out of the thing was when Game of Nodes merch. That's a good question, right? We should have a conversation about that at some point. It is a good question. There was some very, very excellent Juno merch um, at Gateway um, from... Are they an Italian Italian DAO? They're like a merch DAO. Um, yeah, they're called Space Merch, and uh, search for them on Twitter. They are, I think, called Space Merch DAO on Twitter. And yeah, they had like some of the coolest Juno swag I've seen, and it was basically just like out instantly. Like, I, 
like a lot of people that were like very involved in Juno like didn't even get any because it was just like gone. <laughs> so I guess it means like we need to launch a shit chain now as as <laughs> game of nodes and then get that get that value really pumping and then pay space DAO via IBC, right? It just gets IBC them a load of tokens to make a load of uh, make a load of hoodies and stuff, and then I guess everybody gets a hoodie, right? We can just we can just send them. We can just like rug rug the chain and then use the money to post everybody's hoodies, like a kind of hoodie based Ponzi scheme for the viewers <laughs> of this channel. It's perfect. Stable clothing. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it could work. I'm bullish. Um, yeah. Okay, folks. So um, let's 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 kind of uh, begin to wrap up there, which yep. means that it's time for what are you most excited about in uh, the next week? I obviously last week I was like I'm super stoked about getting uh, being able to like actually work on Hal again for a little bit and uh, and also get that a cash validator up. Um, and then things got really busy again. So I did actually get to write some Rust this week, which was sick. Um, but I didn't get my cash validator up yet. We didn't. We didn't. We have. We, we've, we've got some of the tooling in place, but we haven't got it up yet. So I'm just going to say the same thing as last week, which I'm still really excited about cash, and I'm looking forward to uh, Needlecast getting our, our shit together on that one. But Schultzy has actually done that in the time it took me to talk about it and mm -hmm. talk about our plans. Schultzy just went and squared it away, right? Uh, well, I didn't put a validator on there, but. Uh... I did get my Akash, uh, my setup on Akash. It was actually really, really smooth. I did have to bug the Akash Letics guys for a little bit of help because I'd never used Cloudflare before. Uh, but it only took a little while, and now it's going super smooth, and I'm, I'm pretty pleased with it. Did you end up moving all your DNS over to Cloudflare as well? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, previously, I was just using Google dom domains and doing it basically as simply as possible. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't get it, like... HTTP to HTTPS translated over, and I was like, right. okay, I'm just going to back out and go to somewhere that I know can can support this. Cool, nice. nice. Um, so excited about in the next week. Then, uh, Usepa, you want to go first? Yeah. Um, so I, I think similar to you, I have a lot of stuff that's kind of in the hopper, but um, I'm excited that that I'm ready to move past this UST thing, which I think has been kind of, a, for me, a real mental drain. Like it's just been like this whole quarter has been like kind of sliced at the knees, right? You have all this, the whale stuff. I know I wasn't even involved in the whale stuff the way you guys were, but it's still, it's still mentally draining because it's kind of sitting on your shoulders, right? I'm sure it was sitting on your shoulders, you two guys, you know, a lot, right? Um, and then from that into UST and everything else, it just seems like kind of taking a lot of baseballs to the face, right? Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to, I see a, a bit of a turnaround here, even though the market today was a absolute disaster and those types of things, I still think that we'll see a little bit of reprieve, um, in crypto and just in general. Um, so I, I just, I want some green. I was going to put, I was going to make this logo green and things. I just need some green. <laughs> Everything's red over here. So, um, but I think that is part of what I'm excited about this week, which I'm very positive and thinking about that. Um, my, my, we talked about this a little bit already, but the, I think just the, the first thing I was a little bit, frankly, I was a little bit negative in my own viewing around this idea of terror projects kind of coming in and the Dow thing and everything else. I had the real wrong opinion around that. And I think after I, I got away from the emotional side of it, I got, I got to the reality, the reality side, of it, which I think is just an, an excellent opportunity. Right. Um, and Jake, I said that before you joined, but I, if you think the positive aspect, there's so many good things that were going on there that I think can spread out throughout the cosmos. I think 
these questions about two years behind, those things will go away. And I think that we get back to building and it'll find new homes. And I think it allows the projects that are here to have more opportunities and new directions that can support the tooling, the, the things that are coming out there. I'm sure maybe some of the direction that you guys are taking from a Juno perspective will change um, based on maybe what projects are coming in and change priorities. And I think that's just good, right? And so I'm, I think there's going to be a lot of positive coming out of that. Um, so I think that that's what I'm most excited about. I think because next week is just more announcements and just kind of seeing how uh, how much uh, you know. There's a lot of people who who care really deeply and a lot of incredibly smart people. And I think the more that good ideas come forward and 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 these synergies start coming together, good things are just going to happen a lot faster. So I think that's a leave it positive for today. Schultz. He went. Uh, yeah, so oh, you I, didn't. we didn't go. Yeah, I kind of, I told a little bit of updates, but I, I didn't tell you what I'm looking forward to. Uh, so I got accepted into the uh, Interchain Academy, which is for new developers in the Cosmos space. Um, and I'm really excited about that. I've read through about the first module and I'm about to take the quiz. Um, and there's a lot to learn. It's six weeks and 60 hours, so it says. Um, but with what's in the curriculum, there's no way it's going to be done in 60 hours. I think it's going to be way longer than that. Um, but either way, I'm really excited about, about taking it on. Nice. That's pretty oh. awesome. Um, Jabby, do you want to tell us what you're excited about? What's, what's, what's the goodest boy in the cosmos doing this week? I hope he ships at some point. Um, but uh, for me, it's all off-chain. Uh, my kids are graduating, uh, wh whatever grade they're in. Um, the eldest <laughs> is graduating high school. There's so many. I mean, it's gone. <laughs> I just number them like an array, you know, and index them. Kids sub three, come here. <laughs> no, not you, kids sub four. I meant three. <laughs> um, and so, you know, that's, that's generally goodness. Uh, let's see. Uh, there, there's some upgrades happening, um, like test nets and such. And so that's exciting to, to have come down the line, um, see more features be tested out and, uh, and go, uh, I'm spending a lot of time, uh, researching like at a deep level to understand, uh, uh IBC ICS 23 and, and the actual underlying vector commitments. And so I hope to, uh, produce a blog post and, uh, as soon as possible about, Explaining it at a at a explain it like I'm five type level of how these things actually work, how they're establishing proof, um, and uh, yeah, making it more accessible. Specifically, so relayers can reason about what's happening um, as as uh, these different messages are going back and forth. And I'm excited about two things. The first is obviously talking with all the really cool tarot devs. And like bringing them over to the wider Cosm Walsam ecosystem and also helping them get the funding they need. Cause like, honestly, some of them kind of, kind of got pretty burnt, mm -hmm. um, which is, is really sad to see for like such talented and like skilled and awesome people. So I, I'm really excited for all those conversations we've got lined up and we're talking with so many awesome teams and excellent projects that I think will just build, bring so much value, not just to Juno, but like all of the Cosmos. Um, so just completely stoked for that. And then I, I'm, I'm also really excited to like kick off this whole sub DAOs effort and really launching like in specifically in the context of Juno. And then I think these patterns will, you know, be 
take in elsewhere in the cosmos and potentially even some of them to their own zones. Um, but yeah, really kicking off like the whole effort around like a core dev DAO, around a infrastructure DAO, around a, a DAO that's going to manage Hack Juno, like really starting to make it so that like core one is actually not needed and maybe someday we'll even get rid of it um, when we're ready. But like, I, I think it's important to start the experimentation now and to like, mm -hmm. you know, start trying these ideas and like figuring out how we're really going to organize ourselves as a decentralized community. Like we don't have the advantage of being one company where, you know, I'm CEO right. and like Schultzy and Usurper and Jabby and I'm, I'm not going to dox you again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the fray. Uh, Y'all are going to go do this thing. And um, we just have to figure out how to like organize ourselves in like a, you know, decentralized community. So I'm really excited to like start kicking off some of those efforts. Cool. Okay. Well, um, that's, uh, I think that's pretty much us done for this week then. And uh, as always, if you have any other questions, get in touch with us on Twitter, drop them in the chat, comment on the YouTube. If you are watching this uh, back later, uh, don't forget to like and subscribe because then you will get notifications for, for each show. We're now moved to a new time of uh, 2100 hours every Wednesday UTC. Um, and we've got some, uh, we've got some cool guests coming up as well on future shows. Um, we're going to be talking with uh, hopefully Dan from Steakfish, and uh, there's some other exciting stuff that you'll kind of see, and we'll we'll tease it on uh, Twitter and whatnot. And hey, maybe we will actually launch a game of No Shit Chain and uh, get some get some get some merch made via the power of IBC and rugging. So you know, we'll see where we go with that. Yeah.